Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work, the podcast from the British Association of Social Workers. This is space for conversation, discussion with social workers, the individuals they support, and colleagues working in related professions. We consider the key matters affecting social workers as we explore contemporary issues with a focus at the local, national, and global levels. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work. I'm Andy McLenahan, and this is the first episode back after our summer break. And it's great to have you with us as part of our community of listeners. In our last episode, I asked anyone who had listened to every episode in the podcast so far to get in touch. So a special honourable mention to Frankie, who emailed explaining she had completed the series. Thanks a million, Frankie. If anyone else would like to get in touch with the podcast team for whatever reason, please email us at ltsw at basw.co.uk. Now, in this episode, my guests and I will discuss the effects the COVID-19 pandemic has had on social work students who have trained during the past two and a half years. We'll be looking at experiences of learning during lockdown whether the pandemic has had any lasting impacts on the university experience, and as we return to what we hoped would be normality, the challenges students are now facing as a result of the cost of living crisis. With me for today's discussion are social work students Abigail Doe and Stuart Harrington, and Operational Head of Social Work at the University of Chichester, Dr Denise Turner. Denise, Abigail and Stuart, how are you doing? Andy, I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. That was Abigail. Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work, Abigail. It's great to have you with us. Um, Denise, how are you? I'm okay, Andy, thanks. I'm just back off holiday two days ago, so I'm just kind of in the re-entry phase. Okay, rested and relaxed, yes. Uh, And Stuart, how are you doing? Hi, Andy. Yeah, just like Denise, I'm back from holiday and trying to um, adjust back into the working world. Okay, the brutal, the brutal reintroduction. Um, Denise, where were you in holidays? Oh, I was um, just on holiday locally, so I didn't go anywhere um, too exciting, but okay. it was a really nice rest. Okay, great. And Stuart, what about you? Uh, we took a drive uh, through Europe all the way down to Croatia. And back, oh, wow. And came wow. back via a few days in Holland, so it was pretty amazing. Okay, wonderful. Just for a wee bit more heat after the summer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and Abigail, have you had a break? Well, I try as much as possible. I've been writing my dissertation, my master's dissertation, so um, I've been busy here. Okay, but, yeah. great, great. And um, where are you a student, um, Abigail? I'm at uh, Brunel University in London. Okay, okay. And are you based in London? Yes, I'm based in London. Yeah. Okay. Stuart, are you in Chichester? I am at Chichester, yeah. Okay, and Denise, that's where you where you lecture. Um, I'm going to struggle. Please just correct me um, with Chichester. I actually stumbled during my introduction. People listening won't realise. I'll have edited it out. Um, there's a street in Belfast City Centre, um, which is Chichester Street. But I was always told as a child, um, you know, locally it's called by many people Chichester Street, um, which is what I always deviate to when I see the word <laughs> written down. So if it's called Chichester, please just and then you um, sounded like straight. an American, Andy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, there are worse people to sound like, Stuart. Um, you know. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, I want to know about how Abigail and Stuart, how you have um, found your student experience during the pandemic. Abigail, if you could kick us off, what's it been like studying? Um, so, are you you are finishing? Are you entering your third year um, now? Is that right? No, I'm, I'm 
the second year, so my final year of my master's, master's okay, of sorry. art, um, social okay. work. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Um, how, how's the experience been studying during the pandemic? Well, it's a two-year degree, so <laughs> I started in the, in the pandemic um, in 2020, the autumn of 2020. Um, for me, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I found that working or uh, studying from home suits me. Um, in terms of, I was able to focus on my work and not have to think about commuting here and there, um, to lectures or tutorials. Um, so I find the whole commuting journey a bit tiring. So it's, it's nice to focus at home, learn when I can, because I'm a mature student as a master's student. So I've had an experience of doing my bachelor's already, and and so I'm more a bit more independent. So um, working from or studying from home um, was was um, was was nice for me, um, and I also met a um, lovely bunch of students from all over um, over all over the UK as, as a bachelor's student um, member. So yeah, that, that was really um, enjoyable for me. Okay. Thank you, Abigail. And a lot of that, we're going to probe a lot of those issues as we move on. And it's really helpful to know that you had studied previously um, a bachelor's degree, because it'd be interesting to kind of look at how the two experiences have compared. Stuart, you are also a mature student, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And how's it been? Um, what's, you Tell us about your degree pathway, first of all. Um, so I've been working for um, Surrey. Uh, as a senior social care assistant and um, uh, I've been through uh, probably about eight years uh, drug and alcohol experience um, kind of on a substance misuse team initially and then into uh, prison social work for a few years so I had quite a bit of experience the same as many people that come on to the degree apprenticeship um, because it's a work-based route so uh, you know I've kind of been waiting for this opportunity to get fully qualified. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and is yours a? Is it a undergraduate degree you're studying then? It's a yeah degree apprenticeship. Um, okay. Qualification. Okay, thanks. So Denise, you are a social work academic. Um, I'm keen to know how you have seen the student experience change from before COVID to during the pandemic. Have you any reflections on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was really interesting to hear what Abigail was saying about about the commute and actually having an opportunity to to focus on her work because I think, you know, there's been an inevitable blurring of boundaries, um, particularly in the first parts of the pandemic between the kind of online and the face-to-face. And I think we were all catapulted into that quite quickly. So um, I think it's fair to say that some students really hated online delivery um, and some students really enjoyed it. So... um, I think we're we're still, if you like, getting to grips with some of that now, um, and you know, working out how far we stay with online, you know, what our offer is, um, because also, and I imagine we'll touch on this as we go on. You know, we're now facing a cost of living crisis, so there are ways in which online delivery is very beneficial to students. Um, but I think it's it's also, you know, fair to say that we as academics were catapulted into 
you know, online platforms that, you know, we hadn't necessarily been kind of uh, familiar with before and not used to using. So I think we're probably still in a bit of a liminal phase to some extent. You know, we're still... The pandemic's just still with us, <laughs> even though, um, you know, the, the mythology is that it isn't. We're heading into winter. We've got a cost of living crisis. So I think for me, it's very much about thinking, how can we take forward the positives, you know, learn the lessons, but also take forward the positives. I'm just thinking back, you know, two and a half years. I remember when the pandemic began, this new thing called Zoom that people started talking about. And I wasn't familiar. You know, we'd use Skype and stuff in the past. But I mean, this whole podcast has been based um, over Zoom for the last two years. It's been a, it's an entirely kind of a new way of working, I suppose, for so many people. How did you, Denise, how did you adapt? Did you, were you an early, up, um, an early, what would be the word, sorry. Were you quick to engage with the, with the new, new, new technology? I've always had an interest in it. So um, I have always had an interest in digital practices, but, you know, I'm of an age, so I'm not necessarily terribly sophisticated at them. But um, I was chair for the advisory group for um, the the Digital Capabilities Project for Social Work. So I chaired that and that project actually reported at this, exactly the same time that we went into lockdown, March 2020, which was very strange. So, um, you know, I've, I've always had an interest in kind of digital practices and I've written a bit about them um, and I was involved with that project. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that I was, you know, an expert. It's, it's that thing about if you've got an interest in, in technology, then people think you can mend the photocopier, you know. Sure. Um, sure. So it doesn't yes. mean that these platforms weren't unfamiliar to me too. But I think, um, you know, I am interested in using them and interested in, in, in how we use these things to good effect for the student experience. But, you know, I managed not to use a cat filter. I think we can we can we can say that, you know, like the lawyer in the United States. That, um, oh, yes. Had a cat filter on Jimmy. Somebody, somebody was also a potato, I think, as well. At one point, yeah. famously. <laughs> early adopter was the phrase I was grasping for uh, clumsily and, and just couldn't quite get to. The, what I'm keen to, though, um, ask um, Abigail and Stuart about is. Uh, in terms of use of digital technology, social work is a relationship-based profession. You know, part of social work training is for students to learn to work alongside individuals and families. You know, to empower to empower them to support them to overcome the challenges they face. But what was it like um, to learn the skills and knowledge required to be a social worker online? You know, when the most fundamental aspects of social work, being people and relationships, changed overnight. Um. So for me, um, in terms of the you know, relationship-based practice, um, I found that um, being on online, well, before you start um, being on the before you students get on the course for the uh, um, social work degree, they should have experience of um, doing relationship-based practice already and and draw on that experience. So. For me, I I knew I had the cap- capability of being a good social worker based on my previous experience um, in working with children and working in adult social care as well. And um, so, yeah, I, I knew I had the, those skills already. So I wasn't starting from scratch if I was um, doing this online, uh, meeting uh, families online. For me, I... You know, found it. I had a 
um, a placement, both of my placements, I had them, um, I was able to go into the office as well as go um, to people's homes uh, and as well as working from home. Working from home, um, the difficulty was maybe have finding a private space at home and and making sure that the difficult, um, when you're having difficult uh, conversations with uh, service users and and the, um, the the topics that we might discuss, um, just making sure that it's the door is closed and making sure that um, other members of the family are not at earshot. I think that was um, something I needed to think about, and and also with my placement, I was. I was felt I felt welcomed, so I felt that I could open up to my supervisor and talk about things um, that happened, even when I'm when I was working from home. So in my placement, I had a touch in and touch out. So at the beginning of the day, I we have a touch in session. I have a touch in session with my practice educator, and then at the end of the day, I have a touch out, so to speak. Um, session with her, with my practice educators. And that that's a way f- for me to um, not feel um, all alone and dealing with those difficult situations. Thanks, Abigail. That's really helpful. Um, that's a really helpful insight. Um, Stuart, in terms of your background, you've also had a social care background. Um, did you feel you had that preparation then in terms of relationship-based um, uh, training already? Did that help you adapt to, to learning via web-based approaches? Yeah, I think it it kind of uh, there was sort of positives and negatives around, around that period, um, and it kind of impacted uh, the, the placements in in particularly probably in your early part where you build relationships within the team, um, because a lot of people were working remotely and stuff. So yeah, you know you'd find that some of the team meetings, if there's a number of people on those team meetings, they become a bit cumbersome. So smaller meetings with a, with a few people tend to work. When you've got a large team with with twenty people attending, uh, as a as a new person attending a meeting like that, it's kind of a lot to take in and it's a bit disjointed. Um, so, but overall, I think you know the work inside of it. The assumption that there wasn't a lot of face to face work going on. I think for me, it was still happening. Um, there was some stuff that went online, you know, like uh, which I thought was quite challenging like I, I shadowed some capacity assessments and it all seemed quite disjointed to try and do that online with you know some, some someone that's sort of in a in a care home or in a hospital and uh, yeah all the background noise and interruptions and stuff so it, it, there were some challenges but I think overall um there, there were there were a lot of positives around the technology and being able to sort of link in with people you know can I just chip in that um briefly um I just, I just wanted to say, I think it's, I think it's really important as well, um, not to create a kind of dissonance between um, online relationships and and real relationships, because I think, you know, online relationships actually can be very real, um, and I think we see that a lot with young people. You know, they use Discord and those kind of platforms. A lot of their relationships are made um, and sustained online. So I think. You know, it's it's important for for social work and for social work students to be th- to be thinking that we do live in an online world. A lot of our relationships are curated online, so those those relationships I think are real. They're just different. 
I'm a board member of a charity called VoIPEC, which is Voice of Young People in Care, which represents uh, young people in the care system in Northern Ireland. And I know from um, speaking with young people during the the pandemic, there was some some people did really engage um, with online platforms, but I do know that some young people did really struggle with that lack of um, uh, that lack of, for better or worse, uh, real in inverted commas um, engagement with with human beings. So it definitely. It's worked for some people. It hasn't necessarily worked for everybody. I'm, I'm keen to kind of look, just continuing with the student experience. Um, Abigail Stewart, in terms of during lockdown, were there impacts in terms of not being able to visit university libraries? You know, was it difficult not having, I mean, Abigail, you already mentioned about having privacy and quiet um, uh, spaces at home to, to be able to do your your um, your your Zoom calls when you're in practice placement. But thinking about your actual studies was it difficult getting space to study at home and what was it like not being able to take books out of the library for me um it was it was um a bit of a challenge getting access to um physical copies of of books in the library um my university later on quickly moved uh books to online um, so ebooks, so that will be that students will be able to uh, read them outside of outside of campus. Um, the library was um, opened um, at my university twenty four seven in during the pandemic, but um, which is helpful. But at the same time, I was quite aware. I was a, um, I was aware of the whole uh, situation with um sarah everard and staying staying away from the home uh, late at night as a woman um i needed to think about that as well because i don't live on campus i live um at home and and traveling late at night even though the university was open 24 7 i had to think about um, my environment as well um so yeah i did have access um to books but um, I had to think about my context as well. Thanks for sharing. That's something just I hadn't appreciated at all. And thanks for being so honest about that, Abigail. Um, in relation to the practicalities of, you know, reading materials, though, I mean, I know personally, I don't like reading off a screen um, all day, you know, and if you're studying, um, you know, reading paper books can be a, an easier um, experience in terms of your eyesight and stuff. Was there, Did anyone experience any issues with that, kind of being screen-based so much? Yeah, I think um, one of the things often when people um, kind of think about students, they, they uh, their picture of a student is someone who's studying full-time and then, you know, maybe goes and does placements. Um, but for the degree apprentice, you're working four days a week, you get a single opportunity to go down to the university. And, and during that time, all day, you're in lectures. So your your, your opportunities to get to the library are, are drastically reduced. And often people are all after the same books. So that kind of forces you into, or well, forced me anyway, into reading more uh, e-books, and online books. And I think um, that's kind of... You know something that uh, that we probably all um, had to make those those adjustments anyway. But I think for a degree apprentice, um, you know, because you 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 just get that single day. It's a bit like you know when people sort of talk about reading week for a degree apprentice. It's like a reading day because you're working the other four days. 
<clears throat> so yeah, it's it's a slightly different uh, dynamic for us, I think. I do remember reading week. This is going back twenty years. Not an awful lot of reading got done. I got to be honest. Um, now, if we look at um, look at other challenges, so something that um, Abigail was sharing earlier was um, about not having a commute and how, I think you said you enjoyed that, Abigail. Yes. So there's definitely pros and cons of working from home. I personally find it really hard to switch off from work um, when I walk straight from my desk. I'm making this podcast in our front room. Um, the kitchen is about five metres to my left. You know, at the end of the day, six o'clock, when I leave the room, walk into the kitchen, I find it really hard to switch off sometimes from work. And that it's not good in terms of work-life balance because you know the kids are there you want to engage them you want to you know parent well but you are kind of you've still got your head filled with the thoughts of the day and at least when I was commuting I thought I hated it but I had half an hour drive uh, to and from work every day that did allow me to kind of decompress which in some ways was really helpful so Stuart you got any views on that Abigail didn't mind the lack of commute she actually found it beneficial what do you think I think I really enjoyed the experience of of actually being out of the work environment, going down to Chichester, uh, and I think spending time with other like-minded individuals like in our group. Everybody had, had similar experiences, you know, several years of uh, work experience. So for me, the experience of going down and interacting and learning from, from, from the other students was a key part. And I think that the drive it's a substantial drive from from Surrey down to, you know, it's a 140 odd mile round trip. So it's a fairly substantial drive, but seeing as it was just one day a week, it wasn't so much a, um, an issue. And I think when lockdown happened and stuff went online, I actually missed going down. You know, it was, it was kind of like a, a nice way to sort of break up the week and stuff like that. But I think overall, um, the, the, you know, the commuting issue um, is going to become more, more of a thing, you know, with the fuel prices and, and, and stuff like that. Yes. And we're going to come on to that shortly. Um, Denise, we did touch on this earlier when I was asking you about your experiences of, of teaching over Zoom. But if we could just come back to that, not having the, the regular face-to-face contact with your students. I'm thinking even, and forgive me if this is this is a not part of your role, but even from a sort of pastoral perspective, I'm guessing that would have been harder to deal with Um in terms of understanding where students are at. Have you any views on, on how that experience went? I think, you know, I think that's right. I think at first I found it very, very difficult, you know, because as I've said before, we were all sort of catapulted into it, weren't we? You know, March 2020, it was just, I think everyone can remember that speech, you must stay at home, and all of a sudden that was it. So at first um, I worried about it a lot, and I, I think there are parallels there as well with with the social workers that I've worked with during that time, how they felt about the people they were working with. Um, so there was a lot of fear, I think, about students getting lost, you know, just kind of falling by the wayside because you didn't see them in the same way. Um, so, um, but I think, again, you know, as we got used to it, um, we found kind of different ways as well. And one of one of the things that I used was um, Padlet, which is a digital platform. Um, and we set up a Padlet uh, that people could just post to. And um, it became a little sort of digital community. So people would check in almost every day, post pictures of their daily walks when we could only have one walk a day. Um, people got to started posting poetry and, you know, just all sorts of things that were meaningful to them. So I th- I think again it is that kind of pros and cons thing that 
whilst it was a worry, there was also a way in which we got to know people better because there was a kind of intimacy of of all being in this place together and people kind of sharing their favourite poem, you know, where they Mm -hmm. were going for a walk that day. Um, So, you know, as the time's gone on, I think we've learned how to support students better um, online. And um, I think also I'd come back just to the the point that I know we're going to cover later, you know, about the financial costs, which is something that we're thinking about a, a lot now how do we how do we use what we've learned to help students through the cost of living crisis as well absolutely do you um so Stuart and Abigail are both mature students um Denise did you perceive any difference in terms of how mature students dealt with uh, learning during lockdown compared to younger students was there any difference or was it very much person by person I don't think there was a you know I think it really depends on personal circumstance I mean I think um obviously with some mature students they're more likely to have children um, you know, families, the homeschooling, you know, all of that um, was a nightmare for for some of the more mature students because all of a sudden the kids were at home as well, you know, and they were having to, to kind of go into these online meetings with a child attached to each leg, you know, yes, <laughs> and also yes. kind of, you know, do their placement, you know, try and look professional, all of that. So I think it's very dependent on on people's individual circumstances, really. Indeed. If some of us trying to look professional is tough enough at the best of times. <laughs> I did I did often have the sort of the kid on the lap, but it was quite cute. Sometimes um, we were mercifully for our situation. My wife was furloughed and I was working full time. So um, at least it was manageable in that in that regard. It was um, but it was it wasn't an easy time for anybody. You kind of forget. You mm. kind of forget just how bizarre it was mm. for two years. But I um, think, again, that kind of just just coming back to that point about intimacy that, you know, in some ways, although it was isolating in other ways, it did. It, it brought a sort of new level of intimacy. I remember someone that that um, a social worker that I know was saying that that because uh, one of the little boys that she was working with, he could see her house because she was online, okay. you know, so yes. she'd always seen his house, but now he could see her house, you know, yes. and so she had to take him on a kind of virtual tour of her room because, okay. you know, so it's interesting just the different spaces that it created, I think. That's really interesting. Yes. It's those things you just don't appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Abigail, you started your training at the outset of the pandemic, I think you said. Um, I'm guessing you didn't apply while the pandemic was happening. So I'm, what I'm kind of interested to know is how did your expectations um, of studying to be a social worker compare to the reality that you encountered? Um, so prior to, um, prior to applying for it, um, I think for me, I, I was, my expectation was to be on a journey. I didn't have any um, preconceived expectations, so to speak, um, about about it. I wanted to enjoy the journey. Um, I've, I spoke to other social workers um, prior to the course and asked about, you know, the the course, maybe the the workload and everything else. And I was um, I was made to feel that it will be an intense course, and it is um, an intense course. Um, but I I felt that it was. Um, so they, the social workers said it would be intense and, you know, being, you'll be learning full time and it would be difficult to manage that and work at the same time. But I've, I've, um, been on the course, I've realized that with the, um, lack of commuting time and, and saving time here and there, um, one is able to, um, to do other work to, um, 
to supplement their, um, my own, uh, my finances, which is important as a mature student. So, I'm keen to know, um, Stuart and Abigail, how your practice placements were facilitated during the lockdown restrictions. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't do a practice placement um, in, in full lockdown. So during the, the main part of lockdown, I, I was I've worked within three different teams um, over that lockdown period because with the the way Surrey works with its degree apprentices, they tend to move us around teams anyway and then we have additional practice placements so found there was like lots of ms teams meetings and ms teams chats keeping you in touch with with people um and outside of the the lockdown restrictions like looking at it now it looks like to some extent that people have only just started to kind of return to, to the office you know you find a lot of the offices are still um relatively empty and stuff like that so um by the time i did a practice placement um lockdown was kind of lifted but yeah i sort of saw the effect on on the teams that i was working in over that time thank you Stuart. abigail what about your experience i started placement in um i think in june 2021 and still in in the pandemic my first placement um i was yeah, I was able to go out and, and visit people in their own homes, in schools, and also and in the office as well. I think most of the colleagues in the office, um, there were very few people actually in the office. Most people were um, working from home. And in my second placement at the same place, um, I... I also went in the office in the same, same routine, but there were... Think a, f- a few more people in the office, and I was able to have the chance to um, shadow other t- other teams and and um, understand what other um, other teams do. So um, that that was helpful because um, previously I, w- I was in the adoption team, but I was able to um, shadow mast team. Uh, so it it was helpful for me to be in the office. I think to make that connections with. Um, senior social workers to have that shadowing opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Abigail. Sorry, just a MAST team for anyone who's not familiar with that uh, acronym. So it's a multi-agency uh, safeguarding or support team. Thanks. That's brilliant. Um, Denise, if I come back to you, um, I'm keen to know, uh, were there any challenges in ensuring students were able to fulfil professional standards to complete their training um, as a result of the lockdown restrictions? Um, I suppose I'm thinking again just about different parts of the pandemic Um, and again just because as you said Andy it's difficult to remember isn't it now you know it's hard isn't it looking back yeah um, um, but I think at first you know everyone was looking to everyone else really you know it was almost like everyone was looking for the grown-ups in the room you know because nobody knew um, what to do so there were worries about whether there'd be sufficient placement opportunities you know whether placements would have the learning opportunities for the students to be able to fulfil the standards, um, you know, and there were a lot of there were a lot of fears. You know, I think it, there were things like students having to wear masks, meetings getting cancelled because people had COVID. You know, we went through a time when when people were catching COVID really regularly, so there was a lot of disruption. Um, so yes, I think there there were real fears, but again, I think you know, as we went along, we learnt. Um, how to deal with it, really. And and again, thinking about some of the, um, 
you know, digging down into different areas. So actually starting to think about, well, what are some of the ethics of using digital technology? You know, we might we might have traditionally taught social work students ethics, you know, in different ways. But actually we're, we're online now, you know, we've got... We've got GDPR, we've got all of those things, data collection. So actually, how do we think about those things? So I think some of it um, was getting used to it, but also some of it was starting to be creative about, well, how, how do we make the most of the situation that we're in? I do remember during the pandemic, there was a significant amount of debate about the shift to using digital technology. And often the focus was, you know, rightly on the needs of service users and also on practitioners. But do you think the views of social work students were afforded sufficient attention in in those discussions, Denise? Do I? Um, No, not really. Actually, um, I was at Basler's conference earlier this year and there was a a student there who who specifically said during one of the Q&As that he felt that um, people were always talking either about practitioners or um, about users of services, but um, that he felt that people forgot that social work students were the next generation of social of social workers, and quite often they get left out of the equation. So, and I think there is some truth in that. I mean, obviously for me, I'm I'm a social work educator, so I'm you know always thinking about students. But you know, I'd be interested to know what what Abigail and Stuart think about that as well. Yes. Yeah, so I um. I agree with what the student um, told you, Denise, um, about how we, how students may feel um, left out. I think there's more on um, things social workers tend to focus. Um, well, at the earliest start of the pandemic, there, there was more um, information about you know social workers and more courses for social workers, especially uh, advertised by Baswa. Um, and very little on 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 um, on courses for um, students specifically to help them with their studies or to to think about um, employment and and so forth. So um, yes, I, I did personally. I did feel a bit um, bit left um, on my own on the sideline and felt maybe well, I'm not important until I qualify. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's how I felt anyway. Well, personally, I've, I've felt um, quite well supported, uh, particularly by Surrey um, over the period. I think we recognised that there was a challenge for the for the university uh, teachers staff. You know, suddenly they've got to find themselves trying to uh, work out a new method and a new sort of pathway to to, to sort of educating us. Um, but I think. You know, in particular, as 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 things started to move forward, and there was like online lectures, when um, people started to return, it became particularly awkward when some people would be at home, some people in the lecture theatre. I, I found that really um, disjointed that that kind of period. I thought it was very, but in fairness to, to the university staff, it was never going to be uh, a particularly easy thing to manage. But overall, I think communication-wise from, from the university and from Surrey, uh, they, they, they did a good job. I think they used the tools at their, at their disposal. Um, Surrey's very much geared towards using MS Teams now, and I think that that um, it was probably good practice for us uh, going forward to kind of uh, spend you know, so much time using it uh, over that lockdown period anyway. Do you prefer Teams or Zoom? Stuart, which do you prefer? massively um 
uh, prefer teams. Do you? Do you? Um, Abigail, what about you? I'd say teams because I've oh. been on it for oh, okay. a while. Uh, Denise? Well, I think I'm supposed to say teams because that's what my university uses and that's yes. what universities tend to use. But um, And Zoom, I know, has, you know, kind of ethically, it has more issues with it and there's phenomena like Zoom bombing. But in, in terms of ease, I prefer Zoom. <laughs> I prefer Zoom so much, yes. Um, if anyone, I don't know if I've mentioned this earlier to listeners, we are on Zoom at the moment. <laughs> um, um, Abigail, coming right back to, to near the start of the conversation, I think you mentioned one of the benefits um, of the move to kind of being online um, for so many aspects of, of work was um, making new social connections. Now, you, you're part of the, the Baswa sort of students group on, on Twitter. Did I understand that right? Was, was that one of the upsides that you experienced? Definitely, yes. You got that right, Andy. Okay. I'm, part of, <laughs> I'm part of the Baswa students um, Twitter group. Um, and yes, it was very... Um, it was a very uh, enjoyable time to meet um, other students all over um, all over the UK. Um, it's we had a we're very supportive of each other and um, helped each other out with um, giving um, ideas um, regarding perhaps assignments and also just emotional support to help us to feel that we're not alone and it's. And it was nice to know that you know other people, other students in other universities are you know studying social work, and you can talk about your problem, your issues, um, especially with, with assignments, and not feel that you know there'll be plagiarism or anything because they're outside um, your cohort. And um, yeah, it, it's it's helpful. The whole team were great and uh, we're, we're all at different stages of, of our path and some some were um, bachelor students some were master students and some were working in local authority uh, place uh, councils and some weren't so it, it was fantastic really yeah I enjoyed it Thank you Abigail um, now moving on I imagine that it's both really exciting and, and also daunting to think of beginning to practice following the end of your studies what I want to know is whether the experience of studying during COVID has had an impact in terms of how prepared you feel to enter the workforce. Stuart, would you be able to answer that? Yeah, I think the assumption that, you know, from the outside looking in would be, oh, this would be challenging and, and it's going to gonna, gonna cause some issues around preparedness. But I think in many ways, uh, the situation actually helped. Um, so, you know, gearing people towards using MS Teams and actually yeah, um, reaching out and, and and sort of communicating with other people in the wider team. And I think um, being immersed, forced to kind of go down that that route uh, in the in the placements, I think in many ways it's kind of introduced us to the reality of of, of the way of working that it's going to be. So I, I in many ways I, I do think that it's actually helped. Well, I'm excited actually to to start. I I feel that I'm as as prepared as I can be. I've had the chance to um, to practice both in an on, online situation and also in face to face with service users. So I I believe I I think there'll be a hybrid social work going on in the future. I'm not a um, 
I can't foretell the future, but you know <laughs> that I I believe that um, having this experience will prepare me well for the future. Yes, I suppose just reflecting on this, you know, you study during a crisis situation, you know, and that's you know there's there'll be a huge amount of learning just from the the how abnormal that situation was to be in. Now, bringing it right up to date, September 2022, the cost of living crisis is very real. Um, we've made an episode back, I think it was in December 2021, and we've, we've touched on the issue a number of times since then. Um, the situation is getting worse and worse, and it's going to get worse and worse over the coming months. I, I saw back in July, I saw a news story about a, a student nurse in Northern Ireland who was sleeping in his car between shifts to avoid the cost um, of fuel, you know, to get to, to work. Now, I'm aware that, that is a pretty drastic example, but I want to know about um, how you and your fellow students have been affected by the cost of living crisis. What, what's it like at the moment? Yeah, I think um, speaking f- from the perspective of, uh, you know, being on a degree apprenticeship, we have that single day where we drive down to Chichester and back. But some of the placements that you find yourself in um, might be requiring you to go to sort of other parts of the country as well. So actually we found ourselves, or I found myself kind of clocking up some pretty serious mileage. Uh, and obviously the um, the allowance for mileage hasn't been adjusted. So, yeah, there, there are additional uh, pressures and I can probably feel in that more keenly uh, in, in the second year, actually. Abigail, that issue of mileage for you, if you're in London, um, are you as carbiest as Stuart is or are you using public transport more? I use public transport more. So. Okay. So are you less impacted then by those rising fuel costs? Well, it's, you know, prior, prior to the whole um, price, uh, you know, the fuel costs um, rising, you know, I thought that, I don't know, the world is my oyster. I can... I can apply to um, other places outside of London. I didn't feel limited, but now that um, that issue, it's you know in in the back of my mind, and you know it's it's uh, it's affected my choices on where to apply for for my ASYE. Um, so assist assist and supported year in employment for social work students. So. Um, yeah. So just more generally then in terms of heating bills, the cost of gas, the spiralling cost of food at the supermarket, which you notice, I notice every single week I go to the supermarket just every time, like, how is this getting so much more expensive? Um, how is that affecting you? I mean, obviously when you're studying, you're going to have limited income coming in. So what's that been like, Abigail? Um, it's made me, you know, think about um, those extra things that, I, I would used to do maybe go out for, you know, go out and spend time with people in London, um, and you know the expense the expense of restaurants. I love rest going out to restaurants, <laughs> so that I'd have to um, think about you know the cost of living and you know how much time I spend um, money I spend eating out and and doing things. If you look at things for free, um, you know, in, in London. And just being more cautious about, um, you know, what I invest into and how much I, I give to charities as well. So I, I have to be careful how much I give to charity and, and which charity I give my money to. So, um, yeah. Stuart, what about you? I think, you know, on the bright side of this, we're 
looking at the positives, we're, we're entering into a profession that kind of is somewhat um, shielded from from the impacts of of a recession. You know, there's always going to be a need for social workers, hopefully. Like if you think about the service sector and how many jobs have been lost or are likely to be lost over the next couple of years. So on the bright side, we're going into sort of a secure area of work. But I think on the flip side to that, personally, I think for, for many of us that uh, had gone into degree apprenticeships, we'd taken a pay cut. And so you've taken a pay cut directly in front of a cost of living crisis. So it feels like any gains that we're going to make in salary when we qualify are going to be wiped out by the fuel bills. <laughs> so yes, it's quite absolutely. tough. In terms of students' mental health, um, have you noticed? Um, Denise, maybe um, ask ask you kind of your you've maybe got some oversight over this. Um, have you noticed the impacts in students' mental health to do with cost of living crisis? I mean, I think absolutely, and I think you know, just listening to what Stuart and Abigail are, are saying, I think it's really incumbent on us as a university and us as, as social academics generally just to be really mindful of it and to be thinking about it. So, you know, and again, I think that takes us back to our earlier conversations around how do we use what we learned in the pandemic? So, you know, for us, for example, we're planning our skills days programme for our, our MAs and our undergraduates. And we're trying as far as possible to make a lot of that online, but also to have some of it face to face, you know, so that the students that don't want to do everything online also get the relationship based face to face stuff that we were talking about before. But like I say, being really mindful that actually it's expensive, as Stuart was saying, you know, for, for students to be driving in. So um, so I think we are we are trying to be very mindful of that. But, you know, obviously it it creates extra stress for students themselves but it also creates extra stresses for the people that students are working with so there's a kind of feedback loop as well you know where where uh, students are working with people who may be in greater crisis or, or experiencing greater problems themselves which then may put greater pressures on our students so you know we have to be thinking about that I mean Chichester is a very small university so we're able to uh, you know work very closely with students um, but I think yes, definitely there is there is an inevitable kind of um, mental health, you know, uh, stress cost of all of this. I remember at the start of my degree uh, course, one of the lecturers said that um, you know we're in a pandemic, and you know it's likely that we'll be in a um, you know state of in a state of flux. And she talked about transitions and, you know, lifespan, lifespan theory and, and transitions and how it's, it's important as we've transitioned from where we are to where we want to go uh, as social workers. And um, even in the, in the crisis, in the midst of the crisis, I keep um, thinking about that and um, about what she said, being in, in, a flak, in flax. And she mentioned more about... Um, we as students, we have to practice more self-care and reach out to um, the mental health services at our universities and um, try things that would help us to cope in the, in the stressful times. So um, I have used, um, I've tried different things to help with my mental well-being and reframing uh, difficult situations and uh, thinking of things that I can control more than things that I can't control out of my control. 
to help me to calm myself in the midst of um, stressful times. So um, it's been helpful. Abigail, do you think um, the cost of living crisis could have an impact um, on the number of students that are, or sorry, the number of prospective students enrolling to study social work? Yes, I, I believe it, it, it would, especially for uh, mature students who have additional uh, caring responsibilities, um, whether it's childcare or um, adult, adult care, and um, thinking of um, travelling uh, to university and um, the income as well, whether you live by yourself or not. So as a mature, mature student, you've already accrued maybe in your uh, debt in your um, your bachelor's degree and, and you're thinking about that as well. Keep me right here. There is a bursary scheme which is available for social work students at undergraduate level. Is there a bursary at, at postgraduate level? Yes, there is. Um, there is in, in England, um, where I am based, there is um, bursary available by um, the NHS uh, uh, business yeah, and it's just BSA, I think um, I can get the right acronym. And um, yes, available for students. And it depends on each person's circumstance. If you are, uh, if you're caring, if you have a caring responsibility, childcare, you get um, extra, you get more money. And, um, and, it, and it depends on your living, your living circumstance. If you live in London, you get a higher uh, rate than outside London. Do you have any idea, Abigail, what sort of um, proportion of students get a bursary? Is it is it most students or is it a very few? I, I believe that. Well, I'm, I'm not in. I'm not a lecturer, and I don't see the uh, the road the road call. But um, sure, I believe it. It's not. Um, it, it's not every student who. Um, went to the course gets a bursary it's a competitive uh, bursary uh, and so unfortunately um it's capped so the number of students who get it uh, is capped and not every student um gets a bursary abigail's absolutely right there i was just going to chip in and say that you know she's absolutely right and um from from my perspective we're not actually seeing recruitment numbers falling um but as i said before and and Stuart obviously is testament to this, we run a degree apprenticeship. So, you know, we are seeing that as being um, a, a point of real interest for people coming forward in terms of doing their social work training on the job. So it's, it's an alternative route. Could you foresee other universities, more universities running that as an option, Denise? Uh, well, lots of universities already are. Um, and I think that all universities are going to have to look at different different ways of providing social work training. I don't don't know what you think, Stuart, because you're actually experiencing it. I can um, only imagine that degree apprenticeships will become more popular. Um, to, to be honest with you, I feel in a privileged position to not have to sort of take the time out from 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 earning a wage, finding money for fees. So yeah, we've taken a pay cut, but. Um, it, it really is a gift and you know so and because of everything that's happening with the economy and the way things are, are going uh, I can only see um, degree apprenticeships becoming more popular. Denise, Stuart, Abigail thank you so much for your time it's been a really really interesting conversation. Stuart and Abigail I wish you all the very very best as you finish your studies you know it's been an incredibly exciting time and all the very best as you enter the world of work. Thank you Andy thanks very much. Thank you, Andy.
I think I'd just like to say thank you very much to, to Abigail who um, helped with the other Basma Students Help Writer chapter um, for a book that I co-edited and, and thank you very much to Stuart for um, being here and representing Chichester and the Degree Apprenticeship today. Uh, really grateful thanks to both of you and to you Andy for giving us this opportunity. Do I get a free Do I get a free copy of your book then Denise? Is that, is that what happened? See, I'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> 